father's lightsaber. What? Lightsabers, precious? Welcome to What's Lightsabers Precious? The Lord of the Rings and Star Wars Encyclopodcast for Waste Time and Fictional Wikis. I'm Ryan. And I'm Joanna. And we're in week two of Spooky October. It's time to get spooky. Looks like you're the ones who are brave enough to return for this week of scary fantasy tales. And boy, do we have some corkers tonight. That's right. Real snorters, as they would say, in Sherlock Holmes and to the best of my knowledge, nowhere else. I say it a lot in, like, cocaine dens. Oh, cocaine dens, too. Yeah, sure. Which Sherlock Holmes frequented, so it makes sense. And where pigs hang out. Where pit? You mean... Snorters. Like, ones who sniff out truffles, like, oh, I found a real snorter the other day. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay, yes. I see what you're aiming for there, Ryan. Let's do it. And do it we shall. We shall. So first, Ryan, I would like to read you a line, and you tell me what this reminds you of. Okay. But I'm going I'm to read it really spooky, okay? Okay. So you, so, 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 so you have to put, like, a spooky effect on it, okay? Okay. Can you, can, can you do that? Yeah. Okay, okay. The way is shut. It was made by those who are dead, and the dead keep it until the time comes. The way is shut. What does that remind you of? Well, because I put a lot of bicycle horns over it, it reminds me of, of clowns. Oh, that's one of those spooky effects and everything. No, no, no. It's like uh, it's like a tomb. It reminds me of a tomb, like shutting shutting the dead in, and yes, they need to they need to stay in there. No, 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 leaving. Stay in there, boys. Does it remind you of paths? Paths? Uh, yeah, yeah. Get a real path like feel from it because this is about paths. Path of the Dead, that is. Ooh, spooky. The spookiest hike you've ever been on. On the Path of the Dead. Right, so, the Paths of the Dead. Now, do you remember this from the movie version of The Lord of the Rings? I do. I remember a bajillion skulls in yeah. the extended edition. That kind of summarizes the extended edition, but, well, the, the theatrical edition version of this scene in the Peter Jackson films is just skulls. Just the most skulls. Just, like... Just an unreasonable level of skulls. So many skulls. So many skulls. Now, the paths were also depicted with an unnatural mist, mass crypts, mm-hmm. in addition to a lot of skulls. Now, Aragorn, Legolas, and Gimli, in the movie version of The Return of the King, enter through a doorway with the inscription that I just recited, right? The way is shut. Right, it was right, made right. by those who are dead, and the dead keep it. And the reason they are entering into the paths of the dead, do you remember? To recruit the army of the dead. Yeah, they need more guys. So as Aragorn and Legolas and Gimli travel through the Paths of the Dead Mm. in the movie version, Legolas can sense that the dead are following along behind them. Very spooky. And then when they arrive at an unnamed stone... Yeah. The army of the dead surrounds them. Aragorn threatens them with the reforged shards of Narsil. And he holds them to their oaths. The oath that they have made that they will assist, well, originally Isildur, now his heir, Mm -hmm, Aragorn. mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And they apparently refuse, and a massive crypt behind them explodes to bury them in just so many skulls. All the skulls. Just like a waterfall of skulls. And they escape. And they're like, dang, we got turned down. And then the ghosts appear around them, like, (laughs) just goofing. They like to make an appearance. Just goofing, and they swear to fight. Very good. That is the movie version. So these were guys who were loyal to Isildur when they were alive. Supposed to be. They were supposed to be loyal to Isildur. Ooh, we're going to discuss it. So 
That door that they went through in the movie is actually known as the dark door. Okay. Because Tolkien was really on the it's nose sometimes. I, mean, I don't really thought of that one. The That's... dark door is sandwiched between three mountains in the White Mountains range that separates Gondor from Rohan. And these three mountains, in case you care, are called Erensaga, Starkhorn, and the Drimmerberg. Okay. Do you care? Uh, are these the White Mountains, as in they're big undead mountains? No, they are the demons? White Mountains, as in W-H-I-T-E mountains. Then no, I do not care. Okay, then you do not care. Well, you know, anyway. And the unnamed stone that Aragorn stood by in the movie, as you saw, is actually called the Stone of Eric. And it's kind of a big deal. Oh, okay. But before we get to that, we need to go way back. Oh, like, right. way, 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 way back. That's a lot of ways. How far back are we going? Well, we're going back to have... the very founding of Gondor itself. I don't know if you have time for that. Well, we're going to have to make time because okay. that's where we're going. Yeah. We are up to 88 miles per hour. We do not need roads. And we're there. Oh, wow. That was fast. All right. So where we now are... Is the sinking of the island kingdom of Numenor into the sea because Sauron founded a dark Morgoth-worshipping cult based on human sacrifice and convinced the humans to sail to Valinor and pick a fight with God. Right, I remember that. This is where a DeLorean has emerged. Yeah. At that point, God sucker-punched the entire landmass of Numenor into the depths of the sea, right? Yeah. So some of the Numenorians escaped, among them Elendil and his two sons, Isildur and Anarion. And by the way, this is kind of unrelated, but as I was researching for this episode, I found out that Elendil was eight feet tall. What? He was seven foot eleven Sorry. inches to be no. precise. So that's probably why he was so good at dunking on Sauron's forces, right? Yeah, he's like Shaq. A A Shazam. Or Kazam. Depending on which side of the Mandela effect you fall on. <laughs> Yeah, she's, she's, it's Kazam. I know it's Kazam, but some people say it's Shazam. Because they're stupid. <laughs> no, because of the Mandela effect. No, because there's not an alternate universe where there's a movie with Sinbad called Shazam. They're being stupid and mixing up black people and also magical words. They are bad and stupid and racist, and they think that the Bernstein Bears used to be spelled with an E. Just because they don't That is them. a hot take on the Mandela effect, people. <laughs> bad, stupid, and racist. Yep. All right. I'm not wrong. You're not backing down. I'm not wrong. You're not backing down from that assessment. Just those ones. Okay, just those ones. Got it. All right. Eight feet tall. Come on. Eight feet tall. So, these Numenorians came to Middle-earth as refugees and eventually founded two kingdoms, Arnor in the north Mm -hmm. and Gondor in the south. And in the year 3320 of the Second Age, the realm of Gondor was founded. And at that time, Isildur set upon the crown of the hill of Erech a black stone. Okay. So he found this hill called Eric, plopped the black stone on there, and this was a stone Isildur brought with him from Numenor. Now, I don't know what kind of dude is, like, trying to escape from a sinking island and is like, I gotta bring my rock! Well, it's got, it's got an emotional attachment. It's a very special rock. It's- well, the thing is, this was a huge rock. This rock was three meters tall. Okay, now, as an American, I don't follow your, your, your continental measurements, and so... Between I- nine and ten feet. How many Ellen deals is that? Uh, that is a little bit more than one Ellen deal. <laughs> so not that big. <laughs> it's a little bit more than one Isildur's dad. Okay. That's, that's, but that's only because Isildur's dad is unreasonably massive. It's like a giant yeah. man. So it was three meters tall. So one and some change Ellen deals. Sure. Yes. Okay. Now Isildur placed the rock on the hill in Erech as a symbol of his lineage and of Gondor. Yes. At that time, living in the White Mountains, there were some men. They were indigenous to that area and were apparently related to the Dunlendings. They are also worshippers of Sauron originally. Ugh. 
But when Isildur showed up with his giant-ass stone and his gianter-ass dad, the king of the mountains was persuaded to swear allegiance to him. I mean, they're tall like a mountain. They're tall like a mountain. And they respect height. They respect height. If there's one thing that Dunlendings respect, it's tall rocks and tall dads. That's two things. But anyway, that's what they respect, okay? so And this allegiance to Isildur held for about 100 years. That's not a bad record. Well, no, but... In the year 3429, Sauron attacked Gondor, and Isildur called upon the men of the mountains to fill their oath. And at that point, presumably realizing that Sauron was even bigger than Isildur's dad, the men of the mountains went, nah. He's even bigger. I like him better. Nah, man, nah. That Sauron guy, he's so tall. I love him. He's, he's so, so tall. Like, I thought you guys were tall, but no, he's really big. He's big. He's the biggest man we've ever seen. I like seen. him. He's big. So we're not going to lend you a hand. No. Because he's big and strong, and he's our friend. <laughs> so Isildur cursed them and their king, and proclaimed that they would have no rest until their oath was fulfilled. Dude. What he what he actually said, dude, was that if men wound up kicking Sauron's ass, the men on the mountains would have no rest. So that's like verbatim from Tolkien, right? Yeah, yeah. If we kick his ass, no rest. No sleep till Brooklyn. Now, if Sauron won, I guess it would have been a moot point. Yeah. You know, but if they beat Sauron, which they did, at least temporarily, the men would have no rest. So little by little, the men of the mountains died out until only their shades... It's like a word for ghosts. Ghosts, as Tolkien sometimes put it. We're left to wander the mountains in endless torment. Okay, so Isildur cursed them. Is he magic? Can Isildur do that? He was not magic, but he must have been in good with the gods, because that's the only reason I can think why that yeah. actually worked. I mean, I know he's Normally important. you can, like, curse people all day and night, but... Uh, yeah, he's important. But even if, like, I don't know... Like the president. If the president cursed somebody, we wouldn't expect that they would turn into a wraith and wander the mountains in torment for eternity. Unless you have the, Even though he's an important guy, Unless you right? have, like, the Saudi orb that Donald Trump Yeah, uses. the Saudi... Maybe that's what the Saudi orb is for. It's a palantir. Palantir, yes. Yeah, it's a palantir. Yeah. That's what the connection is. Yeah, remember if the orb? If you were to use the Saudi palantir from those photos from, like, a year ago... Yeah, guys, remember that thing? Because politics have gotten so stupid, we forget about these things. But remember that time you touched a big orb with the Saudi guys? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Palantirs? So yeah. It was palantir. And he was using it to curse his enemies. I see. Okay. So, now we know that the Clintons are going to be wandering his race for all eternity in the White Mountains south of Gondor. Oh, gosh. You know? Yeah. All because of that Saudi orb. They're going to Pokemon go to the White Mountains. <laughs> We're bringing back all the old classics, <laughs> all the old political classics here. Obviously, the Mountain Pass... Where the ghosts of the Clintons and also the ghosts of the men of the mountains were wandering became a place of poor repute, and both it and the Stone of Erech were basically abandoned. Now, hold on. Are we out of the time travel now? Yeah. I mean, this was over the course of several millennia. Right. So we got back into our DeLorean. We got back into our DeLorean. Our, our Numenorean DeLorean. Our Numenorean DeLorean. Oh, you know what? But we have one more stop we need oh, to make okay. along the way. All right, We doc. are going to stop... Uh, during the reign of Brago, second lord of the Mark. So he is the guy who came after Aorl, who was the Rohirrim leader who founded Rohan. Why are we stopping to see him? Does he like owe you money or something? Oh, uh, no, but his son is owed a massive snort of derision because he did a stupid thing. <laughs> it's a real snorter. Yeah. That's what they mean by real snorter. So <laughs> Brago, the second lord of the Mark had an heir. His oldest son was called Baldor the Hapless. So you know this story doesn't end That's, well. That's oh, his fail son. <laughs> you know, okay, this I, is a fail son. Fail son. His large Baldor adult son. Baldor the fail son. The large adult son. 
<laughs> so Baldur was Rhaegar's oldest son, who was himself the son of Aeorl, the guy who founded Rohan. So as Aeorl's grandson, Baldur was in line to be the third Lord of the Mark. You follow me? Yeah, I am. That's a bad idea. I see it's not going to go well for yeah. Baldur. Yeah, he never got to assume that title. So, during the reign of Baldor's father, Brago, the Golden Hall of Medusel was completed at Edoras. And this is the Mead Hall we see in the movies, right? Yeah. The hall was completed and everyone decided to celebrate by getting pissed drunk, as you do when you're an Anglo-Saxon, or an Anglo-Saxon stand-in, which is what the Rotorum yeah, yeah. are. While Baldor was in his cups, so to speak, mm-hmm. he made what Theoden calls, quote, a rash vow. Okay, let's hear it. Well, you see, sometime before, Baldor and his father had been exploring Rohan when they come upon the entrance to the Paths of the Dead. And there was this old man standing there. And he asked them a riddle, which they couldn't guess the riddle. So presumably it had something to do with the airspeed velocity of an unladen swallow. Yeah, what's, what's in his pockets is. Right. So they weren't allowed in. And this pissed Baldor off. He was like, this is our kingdom. Some random old dude can just, like, not let us see a part of it. That's, he can't do that. That's not allowed. Free speech, bro. Free speech. He's violating my free speech. He's violating my violating my rights as a sovereign citizen. Yeah. <laughs> so he was like really mad about this. So sure. when he was drunk at Metacell, he vowed that he would enter the paths of the dead no matter what. He's just gonna. I'm this just is do his principles, it. dude. I'm just gonna do it. It's like that video of that guy we watched on YouTube that one time. That sovereign citizen who's like, I have the right to just walk into a courtroom. I have the right. Yeah. And he got tased. Yeah, I hope I hope Baldur gets tased. Baldur gets worse than tased. Okay, right? so spoilers for you. Fast forward several thousand years to when Aragorn, Legolas, and Gimli enter the past of the dead. So okay. now we are in the present day. So we're in the Numenorean Delorean. We're back in the yes. present. Okay. And this is what they find: quote, the bones of a mighty man. He had been clad in mail, and still his harness lay there whole, for the cavern's air was as dry as dust, and his hauberk was gilded. His belt was of golden garnets, and rich with gold was the helm upon his bony head, face downward on the floor. Mm. He had fallen near the far wall of the cave, as now could be seen, and before him stood a stony door closed fast. His finger bones were still clawing at the cracks. A notched and broken sword lay by him, as if he had hewn at the rock in his last despair. Aragorn did did not touch him, but after gazing silently for a while, he rose and sighed. Hither shall the flowers of Simbelminen come never unto the world's end, he murmured. Nine mounds and seven there are now green with grass, and through all the long years he has lain at the door that he could not unlock. Whither does it lead? Why would he pass? None shall ever know. Except we do know, because Tolkien told us. <laughs> what a hapless skeleton. What a hapless skeleton. So Tolkien later clarified in an unfinished essay that Baldur did indeed go through the dark door, and he made it all the way to a doorway that led to an ancient temple of Sauron. Ooh, I didn't know this existed. Yeah, an ancient temple of Sauron. first age temple? Yeah. uh, Second age, probably. That was used by the men of the mountains. Ooh, cool. And at that point, Baldur's legs were both shattered by an unknown enemy, and he was left to die slowly in the darkness, clawing at the door with his fingernails in a desperate attempt to get out. What a maroon. What a maroon. What a hapless maroon. To be fair, that's pretty scary. It's scary, right? Yeah. It's scary. You might actually be surprised to hear that there was a temple under the mountains along the paths of the dead. Yeah. What's that doing there? Yeah, they didn't mention that before. Well, actually, there was a fair bit more than a temple. In the book, the paths continue past multiple forgotten cities, which gives this whole incident a real H.P. Lovecraft vibe. Yeah, it's Mountains of Madness here. It then spits Aragorn, Legolas, and Gimli out at the southern end of the White Mountains at a place called the Morthron Vale, right by the Stone of Eric. Okay. So they haven't just found a forgotten hiking trail. They found an entire forgotten civilization populated by cursed phantoms. Wow. So who built those cities? The men of the mountains. 
And then their ghosts lived in the cities. And then their ghosts lived in the cities. Wow. All right. Yep. Yep. So you said men in the mountains. I was picturing like, like, like step people, like who live in like yurts and stuff. Oh no! These are like people who live in a mountain. People who live in the mountain. Wow. And now the whole mountain is cursed. That's cool. Yeah. And scary. That is very spooky. October. Definitely. Now, in the book, once Aragorn reaches the Stone of Erech, he unfurls his banner, declares himself the heir of Isildur, and commands the dead to obey him. And they do. The first stop on their journey to redemption is the ships of the Corsairs of Umbar, who are sailing toward Gondor to attack the Kingdom of Men. Bunch of pirates. Bunch of pirates, including Captain Peter Jackson is in that Oh, scene. really? Yeah. Oh, that's fun. He is one of the guys. He he gets uh, he gets shot with an arrow, I believe. Oh, that's be so fun. The ghosts kill all the corsairs, not with weapons, but by scaring so much crap out of them that they all jump into the sea and drown. I mean, that's efficient. They're all like, eee, a ghost! And they just drown themselves. No blood spilled. At this point, Aragorn releases the dead from their vow, takes the corsairs' ships, and sails on toward Minas Tirith. So, it's a little bit different from the movie, where Aragorn takes the dead all the way to Pelennor Fields, mm-hmm. right? Uh, but anyway, he allowed them to cross over, so I guess we can assume the paths of the dead stopped being the paths of the dead at that point. I'm sure developers moved in, slapped up a couple strip malls, office parks, and perhaps <laughs> a Build-A-Bear workshop or a Build-A-Bone workshop. Build-A-Scare workshop. Build a- oh, that's even better. Do I use that one instead? <laughs> <laughs> no, you know what? We'll use them both. All right. <laughs> all right. So that's all I have for you this week, Ryan. Wow, that's so spooky. Yeah, next week we're going to talk some more about discarnate spirits. Discarnate is a word, despite what open office spell check is trying discarnate. to tell me. Discarnate. Discarnate, not carnate. Mm. The opposite of incarnate. Interesting. And we'll wrap up Spooky October, the final week of Spooky October, by talking about the spookiest Spooky October thing of all. Don't spoil it! You'll have to find out. Ooh. 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 So, that's what I have for you. Uh, this week, I'm going to be diving into another frightening, scary tale. Another one involving Tosh and Zacharanda and their spooky Uncle Hool. I read the second Galaxy of Fear book. So, submitted for the approval of the Midnight Society, I <gasps> present the story, City of the Dead. <laughs> Let's start with the prologue. And I, I don't have a, a reader's theater. It's mostly like internal monologues here. So mm-hmm. I'm just going to read it because I think it's interesting and good writing and scary. So uh, I should mention too, I didn't mention it last week. My bad. These are written by John Whitman. He's knocking out of the park, I think. He's doing a great job. Half as many people as it took to write the Jedi Prince, but at least twice as good, would you say? I would agree. Yeah. So here's what the prologue says. In his command center, the scientist monitored a galactic network of computers and living agents, all working on various aspects of Project Starscream. But only the Emperor, Darth Vader, and he, the scientist, knew Project Starscream's ultimate goal. Um, become the leader of the Decepticons. Yeah. He wants to defeat Megatron! <laughs> soon now, the scientist told himself with evil glee, very soon my power over life and death will be complete. Project Starscream is sure to please the Emperor, and then my control over the galaxy will begin. Nothing can stop me. The scientist sat down in front of his control module. Above a panel of computer controls sat five view screens that allowed the scientist to watch over the five stages of his grand experiment. One of those view screens had just gone dark. Frowning, the scientist punched the control button, and instantly streams of information sped across his monitor. His first experiment, the planet Devourin, first part of Project Starscream, had gone offline. Something or someone had caused Devourin to break free. Now the living planet was spinning through the galaxy out of control. Hidden transmitters on the planet had captured images of the intruders just before Devourin went wild. The scientist saw the images of two human children, a droid and him. The scientist let out a snarl of hatred. It couldn't be a coincidence. For a moment, anger filled the scientist. He reached for a button on his control console. With one command, the scientist could order the destruction of Hul and his companions. 
he did not. His enemy was well known in the galaxy, and his murder might attract unwanted attention. Instead, he pushed a different button. Another one of the view screens lit up, and the scientist leaned back in the shadows so that his face could not be seen. On the screen, the image of a horribly scarred man appeared. Evazon, the scientist demanded. Give me a progress report. So Dr. Evazon's in this one. Oh my god! The Wasn't man- he like the psychoscientist yeah. that did like all the like weird experiments mm-hmm. on people? And- yeah, he's in this book. Oh, man. The man on the screen, Evazon, sneered. I'll give it to you, but first it's time we dispense with the mystery. I'm tired of working for a faceless man. Either you tell me who you are, or I take my experiments to the highest bidder. That would not be wise. Who says? I say. The scientist leaned forward out of the shadows, at last revealing his face to the hired henchman. Evazon's eyes widened and surprised. You! That's correct, the scientist said. Now listen carefully, or I'll feed you to my cyborian battle dogs. You must finish your experiments immediately. I have reason to believe that an old enemy of mine has discovered my work and that he will follow my trail to you. You must destroy him without arousing suspicion. Evazon nodded. I have just the means. There's an old superstition on this planet that will provide the perfect cover. Just tell me who the target is. His name, the scientist said, is Hool. <gasps> He's sending Dr. Evazon well, yeah, after well, Hool. Well, Hool's heading to Dr. Evazon, and he wants Evazon to kill, kill Hool. Man. The prologue of the first book, Yes, there's also a scientist. Yes, and I was going to ask you about that. Yeah. Is is this the same evil scientist, or is this series just really full of evil scientists? Well, as you noticed in the prologue, his first project was Planet Devourin. So yes. yes, it is the same guy. I can't believe Planet Devourin was only the first stage of a plan. I, I mean, I joked about step one, Planet Devourin, step two, question mark, yeah. step three, profit. But apparently that wasn't totally off the mark. Devourin mm-hmm. is only one piece of a bigger puzzle. City of the Dead. All right. Chapter one begins our tale with Zack having a nightmare about his dead mom's corpse floating through the debris of Alderaan and asking him, why did you leave us behind? Jesus! This book is really not pulling any punches. It's a cool kid's book, yeah. This cool kid's book is really not pulling any punches. Let's have nightmares about survivor's guilt right off the bat. Yeah. Uh, Since their ship was eaten by Devourin, they're on the Millennium Falcon still, and they're headed to the nearest inhabited planet to buy a new ship. A planet that's called Necropolis. Oh, well, that's, you know, a promising name. Absolutely. That's almost as promising a name as uh, Baldor the Hapless. Yeah. You know it's going to end well. And Uncle Hool tells the kids exactly what it means. And he knows exactly what they're getting into. <laughs> He's like, by the way, I mean, like, there's any other dead. Yeah. Like, so the land, the planet is dark and misty with buildings lined like tombstones. But then the original trilogy gang on the Millennium Falcon have to leave. So they leave the kids and Uncle Hool and DV9 on the planet. Late. Bye. <laughs> I'll leave you on this planet full of dead people. See Bye. You. So they walk down the alley uh, of these, this main city and it's lined with tall, narrow boxes. And Zach notices they're actually coffins with mummies in them <gasps> and then one opens its eyes chapter one chapter-, <laughs> chapter two welcome to necropolis one of the mummies says <laughs> okay well at least they're friendly dead well, people under the bandages this won't be so bad here's, here's the deal under the bandages are actually regular healthy humans oh it was just a just a goof on them yeah, and dv says if you spent more time paying attention to my lessons you may have learned that this is a traditional welcome on necropolis what to dress up like mummies and scare people Apparently. That's yeah. a good tradition. So one of the mummies, quote unquote, is a man named Pilum. He's called the Master of Ceremonies. What's ceremonies? Ceremonies. It's supposed to sound kind of like 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 cemetery, I think. Ceremonies. But ceremony. Cemetery. It's a stretch. It's a bit of a stretch. I don't make the rules here on Necropolis. This is just We should look up and see if that's a real word. Ceremonies? Okay. Ceremonies. Go ahead. Wax cloth for wrapping a corpse. So actually, it is a real word. It actually is a real word. All okay. Right. All right. Good. Well, I mean, you know, John Whitman knows more than we do. There so. are mummies, so. He tells them that this is actually an ancient tradition on Necropolis that goes back to the ancient times to prevent the curse of Sycorax 
from affecting the planet. So wait, so the, the curse won't affect them as long as they like prank people who come to their planet. But they have to scare away people who would, would uh, disturb the dead. But, oh, okay. Yeah. But, but how do they, so they're just banking on people who want to disturb the dead being extra cowardly. Yeah. And I really like the idea of them like hanging out in these coffins for like maybe hours <laughs> waiting yeah. for someone to walk past. <laughs> and they, they maybe they get like, if they get held up at like, you know, the border crossing or yeah. they get held up in customs yeah. and this guy's just sitting <laughs> in the car like, come on. Like, or someone comes down the street and they go, Wah! and it's actually like one of their friends. Like, come on, Jeff. Come like, on, Ugh. Jeff. You ruined the whole thing. So there's a kid mummy there whose name is Kame. And he tells everyone, that's a load of crap. There's no there's no curse. There's no Psychorax. I'm with him. So apparently there was a witch on this planet centuries ago called Psychorax who could raise the dead. And so the townspeople, fearing her, killed her son to see if her abilities were real or not. God! See if he could raise, her, raise him from the dead. But she ended up dying of a broken heart. But not before cursing the planet that if anyone disturbed the dead of Necropolis, they would rise up and take revenge. And so she was buried with her son... In a crypt. So they keep up the traditions to make sure that Psychorax's spirit remains uh, appeased. Yes. Right? To not disturb the dead. Interesting aside in this chapter, uh, when they mentioned that they were buried, yes. Zack is shocked because apparently at this point in Star Wars, we're like, it's like a post-burial society. Oh, but, they're past all that. Yeah, most people do cremation or disintegration or like burial in space. That would make more sense from like an ecological standpoint, like land use standpoint. I mean, yeah. you know, like burial it takes up a lot of real estate. Yeah. So the whole idea of this being like a city where there's tons of dead people buried is really scary to him because he never had the idea of a cemetery before. Yeah. So I thought that was kind of interesting. That is interesting. So Pilum, who is like the master of ceremonies, and the little kid came, take Hool, DV, and the kids to the local hostel where they met <coughs> by a blaster pointed directly at them. Well, because this is another wacky tradition. Nope, it's by Boba Fett. Oh, no! <laughs> okay, so it's actually got trying to kill them. Boba Fett is here. <laughs> Boba Fett! He's hunting Dr. Evazan. Uh, he tracked a bounty for a different target to Necropolis and killed his target, only to find them walking around a few weeks later. <gasps> and he had to kill him again. Oh, well, that's a pain. That's just a pain right. in the butt. That's just more work. So he thinks Dr. Evazan, or Dr. Death as he's known, is responsible for this. Pilum tells him it's not Dr. Evazan. No, no, no. That's got to be the curse in action. Someone has disturbed the dead. Chapter 3. Boba just responds, Ridiculous. No one believes Pilum either. Boba stalks off to harass another establishment and find his mark. So that was Boba Fett, Zack breathed. Prime! Prime! Is that like the way of saying like gnarly? It's like it's cool. Yes, he says... I, I love the fact that even in universe, Boba Fett is highly overrated by like nine-year-old boys. Prime! Prime! He's so cool! I want his action figure! So why is Hul abandoning his wards this time? Well, he has to go buy a new ship, so he leads him at the hostel. <laughs> He's just leaving them behind. <laughs> yep. Zack bonds with Kane, who's that same, uh, that kid from the mummies. Um, he's the same kind of dumbass boy as Zack. He's into, like, doing pranks and stunts and stuff. So they, get, they get along pretty and, well. You know, vertical whatever it was he did in the last book. Yeah. Kane tells him that if you go to the cemetery around midnight... Psychorax will appear and you can ask her to bring your loved ones back to life. But I thought Kame said that that was fake. Yes, that's like the legend. He's trying to spook Zack a little bit. Uh, but so surely the kid just had a, like a, a survivor's guilt nightmare? Isn't going to do that. Isn't going to do that, right? You'd think like he wouldn't be that stupid. He knows like the dead. It's, you know, a sacred thing. Yeah, of course not. Well, that night he has another survivor's guilt dream. This time his dad's corpse is there too. And they break through the hostile window to get him. It's described kind of scary. Uh, as they approach, Zack's nostrils fill with the smell of slowly decaying flesh. Mm. The corpse's skin was wrinkled and cracked with exposure to the icy cold of space. Uh. Again, cool kids book, right? Zack wakes up. Not because of the dream, because something banged on his window in real life. IRL? In IRL. 
Chapter four. It's Kame and his gang of dumbass God, kids. God, so goosebumps, so goosebumps. Zach sneaks out to join them, and he tells them there's kind of a hazy ritual that Zach has to do first before he can join their cool little mischief gang. Okay, all he got is butt chug like so many yeah. kegs. <laughs> but before that, <laughs> before he butt chugs every keg in town, he's got to go to the middle of the cemetery, like stab a grave with a dagger, and leave it there, so he can prove that he's gone all the way inside and come all the way back. Now, is this gonna be a thing like that one story in Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, where he's gonna accidentally? Pull plunge it through the hem of his clothes and he's gonna think that somebody reached up and grabbed him from the grave and he's gonna die of a heart attack but actually it's just his knife that'd be pretty weird right yeah that'd be weird let's find out okay so he has to stab it near to specifically the the crypt of the ancients where psychorax and her son rest in eternal slumber and so the kids shove him into the cemetery and slam the door shut and say, good luck, look out for bone worms. Oh. I, I eat worms because it's just, nope. it's just regular worms. No, these are bone worms. They eat bones. They suck the marrow out of bones. Don't regular worms do that? I mean, after enough These time. are like big white centipede looking things Ooh. that suck into the bones and eat the marrow from the inside. Chapter five. Zach walks for like an hour in the cemetery. This thing is huge because it's necropolis. It's necropolis. It's literally a city of There's been dead. centuries of people buried here to appease Psychorax. And all the time he's thinking about his parents, how they never had a funeral of their own. And it's somehow your fault. Yep. But then he finds an enormous crypt with crate dragon gargoyles on top. Ooh. And he realizes this is it. This is Psychorax's crypt. Righteous. But before stabbing a grave, he calls out for Psychorax. He says, I'm here, Psychorax. I need your help. But there's no response. So, ah, it was just a legend anyway. Disappointed, he picks a grave and stabs a dagger into it when a hand reaches up through the dirt. <gasps> like, for realsies. Chapter six. There's no twist here. These are actual zombies rising out of the ground. Oh, my God. <laughs> Zach runs away and gets himself completely lost. He cries for help, and Kane calls back, only to be cut off with a strangled cry. When Zach finds Kane, he's slumped against a headstone with red liquid dripping from his mouth. I'm sorry. Did he die? He's dead, a hard voice says. And it looks like you're next. It's Dr. Evazon. Sorry. So Dr. Evazon murdered a small child just now? He killed just a kid. Just now that happened, he killed a kid. Chapter seven. Carl Winslow. Chapter 7. And Dr. Evazon glows he'll have two subjects in the lab tonight. He tries to force Zach to drink some kind of red berry juice when Boba Fett shows up. He blasts the headstone as Evazon makes a run for it. Boba tells Zach to stay put as he pursues Dr. Death through the oh, cemetery. Boba Fett's like a hero. Well, he's trying to get Dr. Evazon. He, he saved a kid. He saved a kid. I saved a kid. And as he's hanging out with the dead body of Kame, Evazon sneaks back and holds Zack hostage with a blaster. Evazon sees Boba Fett in the distance and tells him, Don't shoot, or this kid gets it! They approach Boba only to find, It's just his armor! Boba's actually behind them! <gasps> he shoots Dr. Evazon in the back and tells Zack to not turn around until I put my helmet back on. Because he doesn't want him to see his face. Right. Keep in mind, this is before the prequels had come out. Right. We didn't know Boba Fett We didn't know. We there. didn't know that he was just like this clone guy. This clone Kiwi. It's kind of interesting. Yeah. Uh, he puts his helmet on and... Dr. Death is Dr. Dead. He killed Evazon. Dr. Evazon is toast. This is canonical. This is how he died. Boba's pretty pleased because now he's going to get paid by those 12 systems that he has the death sentence in. Sure. Gore. This is awesome. Thanks for saving me, says Zack. You're incidental, says Boba Fett. <laughs> pretty great. He really is incidental. <laughs> Uncle Hultosh, DV9, and Pylum show up. Boba says he's going to take the body of Dr. Evazon, but Pylum says, no, 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 we have to bury him because... The rituals. We need to do follow the rituals. Boba's like, whatever, you guys saw him dead. I'll as long as you guys are witnesses, I'll get credit for it. Fine, do it. Whatever. Pilum explains that poor Kame was poisoned by crypt berries, and yeah, he's probably dead. He's probably dead. Zach tells him he saw the dead rising, and when they return to the graves, they're undisturbed. <gasps> Weird. What? But Cha he saw them. Chapter eight. But it was real, says Zach. They even ripped off my cloak in the process. Uncle Hul shows him that he stabs his cloak into the ground with a dagger. Oh, 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 o
You idiot. You dumb moron. You never read Alvin Schwartz's scary you stories to tell in the dark. Sack, you are maroon. You stupid moron. You absolute fool. Yeah, my uncle who lays it on pretty thick. Okay, good. <laughs> they head back to town with the bodies of Kame and Dr. Evazan. The next day, Zach is gloomy, not wanting to leave his room. Tosh puts it together that he probably is trying to get that witch to raise their parents. She hears Uncle Hul talking to someone in the common room of the hostel, and it's none other than Boba Buffet! Fett! <gasps> Chapter 9. Before she can drop any eaves, Boba Fett leaves. Dang. Then it's on to Kame's funeral. His family are in a tent next to his grave, crying. Apparently on Necropolis, it's tradition that the dead can't hear or see the... Family members grieving for them, or they'll rise from the dead oh, and come back. Oh, oh. So they're in this, like, tent, crying. Because they feel really bad, so they come out of the earth and they're like, don't cry. Yeah. Zach's still thinking about his parents never got a funeral. Well, they did not. Zach's really. got a lot of survivor skills Zach's in this got a lot of issues. <laughs> Pilum directs the funeral service. He ends it by saying, may the spirit of Psychorax receive this departed being in peace. On the way out, they find Dr. Evazan's grave, freshly dug. Here lies Dr. Evazan, may he find the peace he did not give his patients. And now it's on to starship shopping. <laughs> what cheers you up after a funeral? Shopping! Shopping! So they go to Migo's Starship Emporium. Migo's like this fast-talking salesman. He goes, looking for something for you and the kids to tool around in? Maybe visit Hologram Fun World? See some sightseeing on the Outer Rim? I've got just the thing. I like how they mentioned Hologram Fun Hologram World. Hologram Fun World. <laughs> another Jedi Prince thing, guys. Yeah, another Jedi Prince thing and Han Solo's favorite place. To get married. To get married. Instead of the fancy expensive ones that Migo wants them to buy... Doctor Who's like, I want that one over there in the corner. It's this old beat up ship. And he's like, no, no, that, that, that's not for sale. Migo tells him that the owner of that ship just died, but who still really wants it. So while he's haggling with Migo, Zack sneaks on board and heads to the cockpit of the ship where he sees Dr. Evazan rushing toward him. What? But Dr. Evazan, he's dead. I know. Chapter 10. He shoves Zack out of the way and scrambles off the ship carrying something in his hands. Zack runs out to tell his uncle and sis, but no one believes him, of course. Because he's a dumb idiot. We saw his body, dude. We buried him. You dumbass. You stupid, worthless piece of trash. Zach, you giant cosmic mistake. We go back to the hostel and Zach is brooding in his room again. He sees a zombie prying the window open, but he's been gaslit so much in this book. He's like, I'm just dreaming again. I'm just dreaming again. Don't lose me anyway. But the next morning, the window was actually open a few centimeters with strips of pale dead skin left behind. So that was real then. It was real. That's what you're saying. Ugh. Chapter 11, Zach calls up Pylum, who happens to be the only person on the entire planet who believes what he's talking about. And he says he'll send someone out later that evening to deal with it. Uncle Hula's gone again. So Tosh and Zach hang out. They're bored and curious why Hula's talking to Boba Fett. So they go stake out Boba Fett's ship to find out. <laughs> okay. Just wait for him to come uh, back. These plucky kids, I tell you. Winnie leaves, the two kids tail him badly and lose him in the alleys of Necropolis. Zach chases after a stranger to see if they saw him. And it's Kame. But Kane was dead! They went to his funeral. They saw his corpse. He drank the grave berries or whatever it was. Oops, all grave berries. <laughs> he drank it. Oops. Meanwhile, Boba Fett finds Tosh and points his gun at her. Oh, okay. Chapter 12. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> chapter, Boba Fett spends the beginning of this chapter telling the kids how terrible they are at tracking anybody and how like... They're kids, Boba Fett. I mean, they're, they're kids. Tosh demands answers. Like, why do you talk to my Uncle Hool? But he's cold. She offers him an offer. I'll give you information from me if you give me information about my uncle. And Boba says, okay, fine. He asks her about Dr. Evazan being alive. She tells him what Zack saw on the spaceship. Then it's her turn. She asks him, what's Uncle Who want with a bounty hunter like you? And he basically says, Nunya. Nunya. 
And she's like, Nunya what? Girl, Nunya. And he's like, Nunya business. And he takes off with his jetpack. And she's like, oh, man. I did not see he just jetpacks away. away. It's awesome. I see that coming. <laughs> anyway, back to Zach. Kame is all staggery and pale and cold and weird. He's a zombie, basically. Yeah, he's kind of like, he's he's awake, but like, he's like, oh, kind of like hazy and weird. Zach asks him how he's alive and Kame tells him he can answer the question if they return to the graveyard. That's Great. a trick. That's a trick. Yeah. That's going to be a trick. Kame leads Zack to the Crypt of the Ancients and opens the door and tells Zack to follow him inside to find the secrets of the dead returning to life. As they head underground, the door slams behind them. So we're doing really well. We're going inside the crypt now. Oh, good. Psychorax's crypt. And who's down there? Is it the witch? Is it her son? Is it Uncle Hool? Dr. Evazon? Dr. Evazon! It's Dr. Evazon! Yes! What is he doing? Is this part of his experiments? Is this experiment like raising the dead? Chapter 13. Kame drags Zack to Evazon because the crypt is actually his secret Frankenstein medical facility. <gasps> he his has beautiful a- bestiary! Yes! He has a bunch of rusty equipment and zombies in cells that oh. are moaning and grabbing for Zack. <sighs> How are you alive? asks Zack. Simple, says Evazon. My reanimation serum! Oh my god! We got like Herbert West noise going on yeah, here. Yeah, like I talked about the... I talk about this in Most Eisley Madness, but we're basically getting a uh, John Whitman's kid version of Reanimator. Awesome. Which I'm totally into. And yes, it turns out Kame actually was dead, but brought back to life with that serum. And it turns out he's using bone worms. Dr. Evans using bone worms as part of his experiments because they eat the marrow from the bones. Yes. And then he goes in and injects his serum into the bone so it can spread throughout the entire body. Well, that doesn't sound like it makes sense, but I'll no. you know what? I'll go with it. it. It's science, guys. I'll go with it. Just inject some stuff into all your bones. While he's explaining this, he's injecting Zach with a diluted cripberry juice that'll put him into a coma. And then the reanimation serum itself. Oh, he injected it with the reanimation serum? He has two shots, yes. But he's still alive. Zack passes out and wakes up. He doesn't know how many days later, but he can't move his body. And he's in a box. And here's Tosh crying. He's at his own funeral. Oh my god, he's going to be buried alive? (laughs) Yep. This is horrifying. This is like the most horrifying kid's book I've ever heard of. He screams, I'm not dead, I don't need a funeral. But it's all in his head. He can't make a sound. They put the lid on the coffin and lower him into the ground. Rip, Zack Attack. Rip. Rip. Rest in Prime. Second book, already resting in Prime. <laughs> prime. Prime, I'm dead. As Zack realizes that he's been buried alive, he thinks back to time with his parents, and how his mom told him that no matter how far apart they ever were, they'd always be in her heart. But then the drug starts wearing off. He's able to move his fingers, <gasps> then his toes. And he bangs on the coffin lid and starts to hear scraping coming from above, and then from the sides, and then from the bottom... Because bone worms are breaking into his coffin. That's the scraping! He thought he was being rescued, but it's bone worms! Yes! This is so scary. Chapter 15. The beginning of the chapter is Tosh flashing back to the day Zack disappeared and how DV9 found his body. It's fun stuff. There with him in the present with Tosh, DV9, Uncle Hool. Tosh is a hunk Dr. Evazon is involved somehow with Zack's death. She and Uncle Hool agree to dig up his grave. Okay. <laughs> hey, I suspect foul play, Uncle Hool. Can we dig up my dead brother? He's like, yep, yep, sir. Screw their customs. Let's dig them up. <laughs> Meanwhile, underground, the bonewormers are breaking into Zack's coffin and getting a lot of mileage out of these bonewormers cliffhangers because yeah, it's man. the next chapter. Chapter 16, Devi goes to the shipyard. <laughs> Just, he wants to buy Dr. Evazon's ship, the Shroud. Okay, so I love how we keep flashing back and forth between, like, Grave-related horror and shopping. Yes. <laughs> My two biggest loves. Yep. Again, this is the ship that he saw Dr. Evazan on. Zach saw Dr. Evazan on. Miko's being all shifty and saying there's been a complication, but DV owns him with logic. 
actually just threatens him by telling him a story about a species with a barter economy that hunts down unfair traders. A species that Uncle Hula's best friends with. Oh, so, you know, I'm just saying. Like, I mean, there's no particular reason I'm bringing it up. I'm just saying that they exist. And... So he lets DV buy the ship with all of its memory banks intact. Ooh. Which is great. Which is great. So now you can, like, go through it. Yep, DV finds Dr. Evazon's reanimation files and realizes Zack was probably just in a coma and was buried alive. Whoops. Oh, and now Boba Fett's behind him, too. He gets around a lot in this book, it turns Boba out. Boba Fett is, like, everywhere you want to be. He's kind of everywhere. Meanwhile, Tosh and Uncle Hu are about to dig up Dr. Evazan. When they see a zombie! Ooh! It grabs Hu, but he turns into an eel and wriggles free. This is a real zombie. A real zombie. Like a real one. Yeah. Whoa. But now there's hundreds of zombies rising from their graves around them. The whole cemetery is coming to life. <sighs> they run back to town to find an angry mob led by Pylum. He points a finger at the at uh, Tosh and Uncle Hulan and says, It's all your fault! Chapter 18. Oh, man. They are taken by the angry mob to the Crypt of the Ancients as the zombies terrorize the city. Pilum takes him inside and closes the door behind them, telling the townsfolk to beg the dead for forgiveness and he'll reverse this curse! But as the door closes, he laughs. <gasps> He's all a big phony. Wait a minute. Pilum, the Wait master of ceremonies, is just a phony. He's like, ha ha that old superstition will keep them busy a while. And now he's going to test his undead soldiers, the greatest foe, a shape-shifting Shido. Wait, so Pylum is also an evil scientist? Yes! There are so many evil scientists in this book series. Chapter 19. Uncle Hul turns into a wampa and starts whapping zombies left and right, fighting them off in this crypt. Yeah! But they keep on getting back up again. Eventually he's covered in zombies and has to return back to his Shido form. Dr. Evazan comes out clapping like a tool. <laughs> Pylum was working with him the whole time. <laughs> yeah, we got that, Evazan. He shows the stone coffin where Psychorax was buried, and it's just a bunch of old bones. So Psychorax is not real. Nope. Well, she's just a woman who died. She's a lady who died. And became a witch in legend. Meanwhile, Zack is still in a coffin fighting worms. <laughs> you really are getting this. like the whole last quarter of the book. He's about to get wormed when, boom, the coffin is blown open by none other than Boba Fett. Boba Fett! I like how just like... Shot a coffin. He just shot a coffin. I mean, it could have, like, easily gone into the coffin and, and killed the kid, too. But... He's there with DV, who led him to Zack's grave. I shot a kid. I shot a kid. It's a coffin. Out of a grave. <laughs> Help Zack out of the grave and head off to mess up Dr. Evazan in the crypt. But before that, DV grabs a handful of bone worms. Ew, why? He's got plans. DV's nasty. He read all the documents. He knows what's going He's on. He's a nasty boy. He's a little bit nasty. Back in the crypt, Tasha and Hul are locked in the zombie cells who are grabbing at them and being all creepy. Evazan is still vamping about his serum and how great it is and how his employer will be so pleased when BAM! Boba Fett explodes the door open of the crypt. The mad doctors order the zombies to attack the bounty hunter! Pew pew! Break blaze! It's like this huge firefight. In the chaos, DV uses the bone worms of Dr. Evazan's equipment to make an anti-serum. Oh, oh, wow! Like, in the chaos? Using, like, using, yes, yes. Extemporaneously? Yeah, wow. A little on the skin will reverse the reaction, he says. But Dr. Evazan orders zombie came to take it from DV, which he does. But then came starts sprinkling on the other zombies. <gasps> Wait a He's second. still in there, baby. He's still in there. They fall limply to the floor. Boba Fett takes the last of the vial and throws it in Dr. Evazan's face, and he dies again. <laughs> so Boba Fett killed him twice. Yeah. Does that mean he gets twice the bounty? Uh, probably, maybe. I hope so. Hul thanks him for his help, and Boba Fett's like, No, I finished what I start. I don't care. <laughs> He's so edgy. Then who will ask him about that job he mentioned? You know, the thing we talked about back at the hostel? And Fett says, only a fool would take that job. And Jet packs away. <laughs> he keeps jetpacking. I know. <laughs> Every single end of a conversation is a jetpack away. Now it's the epilogue. The anti-boneworm serum that DV9 created is used to end the zombie plague. They visit Kame's grave, who now is 
Dead really for reals. Dead, dead. Wait, did he get some of the serum on him when he was sprinkling mm-hmm. it? Oh. Yeah. Zach remembers the thing his mom told him about always being in their heart. They take off in Dr. Everson's old ship, the Shroud. Hula is worried that Zach was exposed to too much because he got the bone worms next to him. He got the serum injected into his body. Yeah. But Zach's like, nah, I'm prime. I'm prime. Everything's prime. Everything's coming up, Zach. So Zach's like tooling around the ship, checking out the systems and everything. And he gets a sudden twitching in his arm. <gasps> the end. He's going to turn into a zombie or something. Or he's just getting spasms or delayed onset PTSD or... So, yeah. We'll have to find out in the next Galaxy of Fear book. Galaxy of Fear. You know what these books are teaching me? But scientists suck. Don't trust them. Don't use vaccines. They're out to turn you into zombies. Trying to turn you into zombies. My kid um, got vaccinated and now he's a zombie. I choose natural remedies. I choose young living essential oils. I inject my children with young living essential oil <laughs> serums. I inject it. First I, I suck out all the bone marrow and then I fill their bones with young living essential oils. And They're loving it. They're, they're still, loving it. They're still good. They have never been more vibrant and active. I cured his autism. It's great. <laughs> By injecting lovely <laughs> young living essential oils into his bones. <laughs> anyway, that was Galaxy of Fear book two. I think it was pretty scary, actually. It was scary as hell. That was really scary. All right. Well, those are our spooky tales for this week of some paths of the dead through a city of the dead. But now it's time for a very important segment. It's the worst, the worst, the worst, the worst, the worst new challenge. Oh, I love that jingle. So last week, we pitted Darth Icky against Perry the Winkle Boy. I was pretty sure Perry was going to have this one sewn up, but... But no, it's another sound victory for Darth Icky. So, is he going to get raised into the rafters? He's going to get raised into the rafters, no matter what next, happens. Next week, but because... I want to see what kind of challenge Darth Icky has to face this week. Okay, well... he's pretty, I gotta say, for being a non-canon name, he's pretty unstoppable. Well, then, in that case, I think that I have to fight fire with fire and use one non-canon name to beat another non-canon name. Okay, let's Now, this it. character actually is canon. Oh. But uh, Tolkien ended up giving him an entirely different name, presumably because somebody read his first draft and was like, uh, no, J.R., no, 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 we're not going with this name. No, you cannot do this. Icky the Elf. It's what? Yeah, Icky the Elf. No, it's like, we 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 put up with your incessant use of the word queer. <laughs> But this is where we draw the line in the sand. I'm talking, of course, about Celeborn's original name. Celeborn. Uh, do you know who Celeborn is? It's Galadriel's husband. Husband thing. His manlet. Her manlet. Galadriel's manlet, yeah. Celeborn. Yeah. Uh, whose famous line is, Tell me where is Gandalf, for I much desire to speak with him. Yeah, he's a wonderful, handsome boy toy. Yes. Her arm candy. Yeah. But his original name was not Celeborn. What was it? His original name was. Hold on, I gotta, I gotta make this nice and sexy. Teleporno. Sorry. Once more. Teleporno. Teleporno was his original name. No, as it in wasn't. you turn on the television and you're watching a porno. Or it's like a teleporter that puts you into a porno. A teleporter. Yeah. Or. Jeff Goldblum, we love this teleporter you made, but it always either turns you into a fly or teleports you into a porno. <laughs> or it's like a porno you have to watch from very far away through. <laughs> through a telescope. That's not his name. <laughs> that was his original name. Was teleporno. Like spelled how it sounds. Spelled exactly how it sounds. T e e l e p o r n o. No way. And if you give me a second, I can tell you. What it, what it actually means in Elvish. Silver tall. Silver Aren't you glad his friends interceded? I'm so glad they stepped in, because that would be such an egg on his face. Wouldn't that, like, throw off the whole story? But wouldn't you love uh, Galadriel's manlet to be named Teleporno? Yes, I would love that. It'd be kind of cute. It would be kind of cute. 
Oh my god. Um, yes. So, so that is what I am setting up as the contender against oh, Darth Icky. Wow, is teleporno. That, that, that is my ace in the hole. If this doesn't defeat Darth Icky, I don't know what's going to. I don't. Oh, Darth Icky. I'm sorry. I don't know. Teleporno. 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 Teleporno, though. <laughs> teleporno, though. Go teleporno on the mountain. Go, te- go teleporno on the mountain. <laughs> over the hills and everywhere. Oh, no. You Run know. It. You know there's no coming back from this one. Run and teleporno. Run and teleporno. Okay. <laughs> All right, guys. So it's up to you. Will Darth Icky finally be knocked off his throne by teleporno? Or will he reign supreme? Either way, he's getting raised into the rafters next week. So he's going to Yeah, he'll be out either way. But oh, my God. You can vote on Facebook or Twitter. Just search What's Lightsaber's Precious. You can also not vote, but uh, you can at least visit us there at our website, www.whatslightsabersprecious.com, or email us at whatslightsabersprecious at gmail.com. Yeah. Do that stuff. You can go on Apple Podcasts and give us a good rating or review. Anything else? Nope. I think that's it. Uh, stay tuned next week for more spooky fun. Spooky October continues next Sunday, Saturday, whenever we record this. Woo! So, you know... Come back. <laughs> Please do. Until then, see ya, Hogwalks. Later, spooks and ghouls. <laughs> <laughs>